This is our first also um face-to-face nga recording. So we're gonna take some getting used to, no? It's gonna be a little bit weird. Okay, but let's begin. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to Let Is Let. This is our second episode for the fourth season of Let Is Let. Um, and this is our first episode we are filming um, face-to-face. So the grade 9 students of this school year are here. Grade 9 students, can you say hello to our listeners? Hello. Yeah, so we are in a classroom and it's a little bit weird. Um, it's a little bit odd, but um, it's very exciting as well. So we are discussing Beowulf. This is the third year we are discussing Beowulf. And I am expecting that the grade 9 students of this year will prove to be just as intelligent as the last two batches. Alright, so let's just begin um, with an, in, a random insight or observation. You can look at your podcast note. Students, who wants to be the first grade 9 student to speak in this batch? Okay, Lance has his hand up. So we'll pass the mic to him and he will give us kind of the beginning insight and observation that will fuel this entire discussion for the next hour and 15 minutes. Well, hello, podcast listeners. It's me, Lance. So, my beginning... What I think of the beginning is that it really sets the stage for the story. I mean, we are, we're introduced to the Danes. They must have been a pretty prosperous people, as the king could afford to be buried in a boat. Alright, thank you, Lance. No, I'm very interesting um, beginning. No, I like that you began with the beginning. And oddly enough, the beginning begins with a death, no? Um, right away, we start off um, Beowulf by kind of explaining how Beowulf fell into power. Um, and in so much, you guys know, especially with these kind of clans of people, Gyudba, ancestry is a very big part of it, Gyud. Like who your father was. And so it isn't very surprising. Uh, we get right away, kind of, to get to know Beowulf, we get to know his ancestors. And again, we begin with a death, no? And how kind of power fell into Beowulf's arms at good. So that is an interesting thing, no? And death is, well, it definitely is a big theme in Beowulf, good, no? So does anyone want to add to that? Kind of the idea of death, because death was present in the beginning of the story. Was it present in the rest of the story? How, what, what does Beowulf have to say about death? itself good no hello podcast my name is darren and you know um as you know death isn't um a joke to be made but but it's supposed to be taken seriously so apparently in the near future one of our beloved characters would soon die um spoiler alert um soon he would die and he would think to himself that maybe if only he should have gone with his men alongside with him so that is one of the insights I have that we should never take our life lives for granted, but we ha- we should cherish every single second of it. What Diane said is that death's a very serious topic. Um, so my question to the rest of the class is: Do you think Beowulf, um, as a literary text, do you think it it endorses this? Does it take death seriously as a literary text, or does it handle it kind of kind of as if it's a light thing to take a life? What do you think, man? Like, based on your reading of the literary text, was death, um, was death taken seriously in the story? Hello again, it's me. Uh, <laughs> from my own observation, death wasn't very. Death was quite taken um, lightly, because, as you know, death was something a warrior would basically hit. A warrior would kill and kill as his own duty to protect the kingdom just like Beowulf killed Grendel's mother and Grendel himself as, uh, along with the dragon in the near future around 50 years later um, basically some people also did take death um, seriously as the men of um, Beowulf did honestly in my opinion it was it was more of both because one uh, for the soldiers, they did take it, um, for Beowulf, he did kind of take it lightly because he kept risking his life by going by himself to fight the monsters. But at the same time, it's also not taken lightly to the soldiers who ran away when Beowulf was fighting um, Grendel's mother. So in my opinion, uh, death was important, but uh, I feel like when Beowulf would go on uh, alone, I feel like he, he just did that uh, to encourage his men or to prove that uh, to prove to his men that 
like he's strong and he's really uh, he's really like courageous but he but I, I sometimes think na he's doing it for like he boasts about it sometimes because he just goes alone and and throughout the story it got the best of him because he went alone first and he eventually died so that's what I think about it so ba- basically I agree on the notion that Beowulf takes death quite lightly like he brings along his companions and then and then he promises the king that if he dies his companions will be will be fed to the monster as if they're as if they're the the monster's reward for Beowulf dying. I mean, you do not offer your friend as a prize for be as a prize if you you lose a fight. That's not what a, a real friend would do. All right. Um. So far, you know, the interesting things I got from that um discussion was that um the with the question was death taken seriously. So much of the discussion has to do with the the move good no Beowulf good fights alone good no in the three great battles we have in the story good it starts off good with Beowulf fighting alone and when he fights against Grendel he makes it a point good no only he will fight Grendel and when he fights against Grendel's mother he's alone even when he starts fighting the dragon although he came with an army of men all the men um abandoned him and he had to face it alone only Wiglaf was the he was the only one this is the one time Beowulf fought alongside someone because of Wiglaf. So um that's a very interesting thing, no? And I'm I'm I I'm interested in the fact that many of you saw him fighting alone was taking life lightly, no? Um I find that interesting, Kaayu, because previous batches have seen although they did mention what John mentioned, yeah, it's kind of like a part of it is he wants to boast about it no in a way all the glory is reserved for him if he fights alone um but did anyone see it as him taking the lives of his men seriously said i will only uh, my life is the only one that will be put at risk but i will be the one to fight i don't know i, I wonder if anyone saw it in that way like how did he view his men i think that's important because lance mentioned yeah um, if he lost the battle, then he would have kind of just given his men to the monster. How did he view his men, Mandei? Did he respect his men as warriors? Like he was doing all of the fighting on his own? Was it because he valued their life? Now, as a leader, I have to be in the front lines. Good. I'll be the only one who risk my life. So I think that's worth discussing, no? Because Murag, so far, Murag, everyone discussing it kind of views Beowulf as not taking life seriously and kind of just being very morag although brave as john mentioned nagudshay ego goodbuff so um let's talk about that a little more good in terms of that move no um to his kind of insistence to always fight on his own so we'll go um to um see dylan and then sonic also all right so with my opinion on how beowulf sees his fellow warriors is that um i think that he's still he wants the people to know that he wants to play hero like he wants to be the one he wants to be the one to be adored like oh i'll play hero so that everyone knows how good i am or something like that because other than that if he knew how much value um the warriors were he knew that the warriors knew the risk of becoming warriors alone hi guys um so i think beowulf is kanang he thinks his man is like he doesn't really care about them, but more like competition. He's like, I want to be the best. You know, you guys, no, you can't do this, guys. Only I can do this because I'm the best. And I think that's really stupid. And then at the end, uh, you, you see Jude that he died. <laughs> yeah, because he thinks he was so cool. Honestly, I kind of uh, agree with the trick. Uh, I kind of like have something with the trick. like he brings his soldier with him. Maybe it's not because to. Okay, if it was his purpose to boast, why? Why? It's, what's the purpose of bringing his soldiers with them? Maybe, maybe I maybe so that they could witness how much he he fought and maybe could boast about it. But, but in the end, when he was maybe like he wanted to put himself first, then his soldiers like he wanted to know 
Kay, at the end, when he was almost dying, he did he didn't call for his soldiers, but most of them ran away. So I found that. Like, why did they become soldiers in the first place if they were not willing to risk their lives? So here's the thing, right? Um, just I'm actually going to talk about why I think he fights alone, because I feel like he just wants. Well, this is his fight. He wants to go on a one v one against the threat. And I feel like if he dies, he wants to die in glory. And I feel like that it's f he's fine with that. So to the question about um, does Beowulf take death seriously, I think he does. I think that um, he wants to sacrifice himself so that he could save uh, his people when he fought Grendel, he fought Grendel alone. When he fought Grendel's mother, he fought Grendel's mother alone. I think it was because he wanted to put himself at risk so that he could save the other people. But for the dragon part, I think the reason why he brought an army is because maybe he's he knew that maybe this is my time to die because I'm already old, older. <laughs> I'm already older, and my um, my body's getting weaker and etc. So if Maybe he thought that uh, I could probably fight this dragon alone, but uh, not really also. Maybe he thought that um, he couldn't do it, so that's why he brought an army, so that the army could fight if he died. But he probably knew that he could have done a lot of damage so that the army can take care of it now. So I think that he knew that he was about to die at that time. That's why he gathered an army. That's all. I'll be answering the question why does he fight alone but I think why he fights alone is that when his father died is he wants someone to be to be proud of him that no one was there when, during his childhood to help him that no one was there to 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 tell him that uh, that he was that he's that he's good and um, proud of his son he, he wanted someone to basically tell him that that he was brave and um, courageous that um, everything he did maybe was to impress his father. Okay, um, very good point so far, guys. No? Um, I really like that the discourse naturally fell into good. Um, whether he's a monster, a victim, or um, a hero, no? um, because that's really something that it very naturally came out of our discussion where some of you were like, hello, like he's kind of he's very proud. You're kind of, and he doesn't take the lives of his men seriously. You're he's painted so much as someone villainous or someone monstrous, no? Um, and then others are trying to find a more compassionate angle to it, um, like with Aliana and with Simarkong, Amrag. Um, they're saying that I don't think it was completely that. I think there that there definitely was pride in it, no. Um, but also, there's also the fact that maybe he was just th doing what he thought was best for his men. Good. Um, in and, and he kind of I want to protect them, and maybe that was mixed in with his motive, said no, and not just I want lang good glory, good. All right, and then Marco Pagod takes it I think another level in saying that. I mean, I mean, he did lose his father at a young age. So in a way, he's always kind of been alone. And he's never... He's, he's used to doing things on his own. Ba? So it might also be that. Now he's so used to just kind of doing things on his own. And plus, good with what Aliana said, is nga, when he did ask for help, everyone in a way failed him, except for one of his men. Good. So it's very interesting that our discussion of him it's hard to kind of completely categorize him into one of these categories monster villain a monster slash villain hero or um victim all right um, and so maybe that is where the direction our discussion can go now what do you think he is if you had to categorize him into one of these things good where would you put him or if you don't want even like the idea of categorizing him you can say no Murag, where you can also speak up about that no um because i think it is worth discussing because actually one of the 
points, good one of the questions I gave to you for our second literary text, A Banished Wife's Lament, was that question. Where do you categorize her? Monster, you a monster victim or hero? Okay, so I wanna add on like Marco, like honestly, all like what he does is it really also like build up by what he what like life has thrown on him, like honestly, like um uh since like uh since he doesn't have like a lot of attention as a child he really wants to get that attention from like other people since like you know like um some it really develops in an early state on on <laughs> on how a person can be um they are not born to be like this or that because like it's it's what really as what the journey made him go through and make him this person now so i don't think he, he should be categorized by like any like any stance at all because like being a human is just not like always like should be like because like um there's always a reason behind it from what their actions your actions do to someone or to yourself uh so i'll be talking about what his men think of uh beowulf so i think that they were taking advantage of the fact that he was so strong when or, or uh, also the fact that he could protect them. So when he was fighting Grendel, he fought them alone, and and uh, uh, I think that's th those are one of the reasons why like his followers stayed with him. They were loyal to him. They didn't. I don't know. If, I don't think they really cared about the fame and glory. Or maybe they did, kind of. But it was mostly just to be protected and safe. Because when they fought the dragon, uh, they uh, it was only Wiglaf who stayed with. Uh, uh, it, it was only Widlaf who stayed with Beowulf, and so I think it's only Wiglaf who followed Beowulf just for him, Jude. Like not because he's strong or anything like that, but just for Beowulf himself, good. And his other followers, I think they followed him in, because they were scared of him, or they were scared of the world, and they wanted to be protected, and they wanted to feel safe around someone. Hello, so uh, connecting to Zeke's uh, answer or, or his discussion, I have a question. Why didn't, uh, why did Wiglaf only, you know, stay with Beowulf? Like, if the other men were with Beowulf the whole time, and including uh, Wiglaf, why did, you know, Wiglaf only stay with Beowulf? So, like, that's my question. So, I believe in, to answer John's question as to why Wiglaf was the only one who helped Beowulf when up. Beowulf's other other companions fled Beowulf's army. I believe I believe Wiglaf stayed behind. There's a diff a very big difference between Wiglaf and the army. Basically, I think the army sees Beowulf as some kind of as a god. I mean, he's he's slain monsters that really really tough monsters before. And what he even managed to slay one using his bare hands. They probably saw Beowulf as somebody who was undefeatable, and I believe, and that's why they thought that with him, without him, their country would fall. So when they saw that that, Be that Beowulf met his match and was calling for help, guess their faith in him was shaken. They abandoned him. Because they saw him now as weak. But Wiglaf, I believe, I think he just saw Beowulf for what he was. A man. But an admirable man at that. So, Wiglaf managed to stay behind. Because he knew that even somebody as strong as that could need help sometimes. Alright, very good. No, I, I, I like that. Um, I think it's a very natural conclusion to this part of the discussion. I really like that. I like the question that John asked so much. Good. Why did only Wiglaf stay? Because technically, Wiglaf, he isn't born of royal blood. He wasn't like he was the special trainee good of of beowulf no he was just one of the soldiers good he went through the exact same things all the other soldiers did and yet when beowulf called for help he was the only one who stayed he was the only one who responded why man what's the reason for that because um 
whenever we talk about the men who abandon good guys, no? even in our discussion so far today, some of you saw it kind of as a positive. Nga, they value their lives good. That's why they ran. Whereas Beowulf, he just charges in doesn't really have a high regard for life okay because he's so like willing to risk his own um whereas others kind of saw it as a negative nga, these men abandoned they ran away some saw it nga, they were sad, nga, murag. they never got the chance to fight on their own and so when when their leader who always fought all their battles for them called for help they freaked out nga, how can we help we haven't actually, we're, we're not Beowulf, okay? But um, I like that what Lan said, and it's even related to what Aimi said, is it's hard to categorize Beowulf good into these things because Beowulf good, really at the end of the day, he's human, no? And that's the whole point of of literature and the humanities, okay? Um, and the fact that we're having a hard time categorizing him proves how human Beowulf is good. Because a human good is kind of a mix of hero and monster and victim good. Um, a human can't fully fall into a certain category good. So I like that the way kind of Lance concludes it is by saying uh, Wiglaf stayed because he saw Beowulf as a human being good. Whereas the other men, I think, deified him already. They saw him as a god. They saw him as their hero. They saw him as a king. So when he called for help, they freaked out and they ran because they were like, if he can't do it, what can we do? Whereas Wiglaf, um, according to Lance's hypothesis, no, is nga, he saw good nga. Beowulf is just a human. And if a fellow human calls for help, I'm going to respond. I'm going to charge in. I'm going to try to help a fellow human being. So that's a very nice kind of natural progression of the entire discussion, I think, about Beowulf, no, which Lance started. Um, by talking about the beginning, by talking about death, and which kind of naturally led back to him with a conclusion nga, we should view each other as human beings good. Um, not as heroes, not as monsters, not as victims. We should view each other as human beings so that, I don't know, we'll have the courage um, to help each other out. Alright, so that, guys, is a very good example of an academic discussion, okay? Um, that was a very good example of an academic discussion, good. We started it, and there's no plan. We didn't have an outline, right? We started by Lance just giving a comment, and then everyone kind of giving their opinion about it, and then it naturally, it naturally led to a conclusion that I think we all can get value from, all right? So that's the power of Beowulf good. I think good, no? Powerful good kayo ang Beowulf as a literary text. So whoever stole that gold, golden cup in the dragon's den is stupid. <laughs> um, so what I would like to add is if um, with, before like the past few moments before Beowulf died in the hands of Wicklaf, there you go, um, he would have um, confessed that he he knew he wasn't really the best, but he tried to. Like it's like when you adore someone so much, but inside they really are like a softie or something like that. And yeah, everyone's the same. Sometimes there are special cases where people don't really like to sh to often show what they really are. Um, sometimes they don't want to show how much of a soft person they really are in the inside. So that only proves that people are just people sometimes we are the same people we should continue our life by moving forward despite all the trials we may face i don't really i would really want to know like what does like bewa was like thinking in his head like if like if there's like another if he was like somebody like um not really boastful and stuff and i actually had like someone to be there for him um would he still be like um would he still be like, would the people would still adore him for just being, um, that still ha does, that still doesn't have like the characteristics he had before, like in the story about? Yeah, I'm in line with that, no? I'm in line with that question. Yeah, that's another thing that I, when you, the last, the ones who added stuff to Seba, do you think Beowulf was hiding his humanity? Do you think it was intentional nga? He wanted people to see him as kind of like a god good, to kind of see him as like this 
this unbeatable figure, no? Do you think it was intentional? Do you think he purposefully kind of hid his more, like, human, more vulnerable side from them? Or was it just nga, it's what people did to him? Or was he the one putting it on? Kinda, that's like, I think that's something we're thinking about, but yeah, because, um, like, who's, who, who's to blame for them not really seeing his humanity? But was it a failure on the soldier side? And you know, Wiglaf just didn't fall into that? Or was it also because Beowulf was putting on kind of like a, a was hiding, Judba? Was was he hiding? Was it necessary? Does every leader have to do that? I think that's worth discussing also, no? So basically, I agree with the notion that Beowulf may have been just trying to hide how human he is. I mean, if you want to be, part of being a good leader is like trying to make yourself look strong for those under you. Well, I feel like he's definitely trying to pose himself as a very strong person. And I feel like that he's trying to build himself as a great, mighty hero. I mean, a warrior. And and I feel like it went to the extent where he's like everybody thought he was unkillable and untouchable and nothing can beat him until when the dragon attacked and i feel like this warrior uh, this image that the warrior the warriors built up and seeing it destroyed made them run away from from the dragon oh for me i think beowulf wanted to show his kingdom that even though he, he grew up alone in a young age because his father died, that nothing is impossible to achieve by yourself in a young age. And that he wanted to show his kingdom that even though he, he is human, that, uh, that he wanted them to know that he is also a strong man that, that pro- protected his kingdom by himself and achieved many things without someone supporting him. Uh, that is all. I feel like the reason why he hides his in his true feelings is because he grew up alone. He had like no one pers- like personally close to him to talk to and share his feelings. And it, he ended up like sticking to it, like hiding his true, true feelings. And when he started getting fame of defeating the monsters, more people expected him like to be great. So he can't, he cannot, he really ha- he cannot, he doesn't have anybody to share his true feelings and has to act like how everyone wants him to act. So, uh, I have a theory. So, what if uh, Wiglaf was the one who stole the golden cup in the dragon's den? But, because it was his duty, you know, to, to fight with him because it was his fault, yeah. That's my theory. To add to what Gabby said, I, and Denise, that he he lost his father at a very young age, which he thought that he had to be independent and strong for himself, and to not sh- and to be strong, he didn't show his vulnerable side, so that he fought those people, uh, he fought the monsters independently, which re- the resulted to the soldiers e- never expecting him to die. They didn't expect. That was the something they least expected from Beowulf, so that's why they ran away because they were not, they were never prepared for that to happen. Just to um, just a continuation for JP's theory, maybe it was all planned out by Wiglaf that uh, in order to kill Beowulf, he took the cup in the hall, and then because he did that, he had to maybe. You know, the dragon and Wiglaf were really the people who were allies and then killed Beowulf <laughs> through the dragon. Okay, so JP and Darren's conspiracy theory, no, um, it's very, um, it's very Shakespearean, and we're gonna take up Shakespeare in the second quarter, no. So, um, it is very um, over the top, and it's an interesting point, though, and I like that you got to share that. I don't know, like. I don't think so, but if you want that to be your interpretation of it, it would make sense. No, I mean, it would explain, like, um, JP's gane is nga, he stole the cup, and so he's the reason why the dragon happened, and that's why he's the remainder of courage. It's not even really courage, it's more of, like, guilt, siguro. Like, 
um, because he felt responsible for it. Whereas Darren said, yeah, he planned Mia with the dragon. Okay, um, or like it was his plan all along so that he could um, take over, that he could take over Beowulf, no? So the second thing we're gonna talk about for this, the second part of this um, episode good is A Banished Wife's Lament, okay? Um, which it, it had no kind of translation or explanation from me, no? So we will go over it lang, um, and then I want us to discuss it, all right? I'm following more or less the same theme as as what we talked about with Beowulf, okay? So A Banished Wife's Lament. In solitude I sing this lonely song about my faith, and truly can I say that of the ills encountered in my mouth, ills new old, most grievous far is this, Sorrow of endless exile I endure, erstwhile my lord departed from the people over the billow, over the billows strife. Dawn after dawn I tossed in anguish, asking myself, where lies the land to which my lord has gone? Deeper grew my distress until at length, a friendless fugitive I took my way, troubled beyond relief to seek for him okay so um this is about a wife this is about a woman her husband went to war in this first stanza her husband went to war guys and she was wondering where he was okay she was wondering where she was so she was so worried about him that she left her home to search for her husband while he was being a soldier somewhere far away all right that's kind of part one of the story the kindred of that man, through cunning thought, baseless dissension, built betwixt us two, that hatefully divided we should dwell within the world. Woe untold was mine. Must I, wrongly condemned forevermore, endure the hate of him I wholly love? He ordered me within the forest grove to dwell in the earth cave underneath the oak. Ancient this earth hall is, and exile here, a longing unfulfilled consumes my life. Alright, so her husband comes back home and then doesn't find her. And the family of the husband tells her, you know what, she's probably out there with other guys cheating on you. And so what he does is he believes them and he banishes her. Okay, because in this time, guys, kind of like a woman is the property of their husband, good, okay? And so if a husband isn't interested in you anymore or feels betrayed by you, he has the right to banish her. So this means that she is unaccepted by society because her husband believed the lies told about her. He said, nga, she said, nga, go to the forest, you live there by yourself because I know you were cheating on me, I know you were unfaithful to me. And so that's why in the beginning of the poem, she says, in solitude, I sing this lonely song. She's alone. She's banished from the rest of society, okay? Because they were slandering her, okay? Dark are the valleys, dim and high the hills. Bleak are my cavern walls or grown with moss. Abode unblessed, alas, that ear befell my lord's far-faring. The world holds many friends, living in love, keeping the marriage bed. While at day dawning, all alone I go, in the earth cavern underneath the oak. I sit there through the lingering summer day. There I beweep my wretched banishment, the many miseries, sorrows of mind, the yearnings vain this life has yielded me. Haunting desires from which I may not rest. By my lord, by, by my lord's mandate here, I make my home. So she's not just separated from the love of her life. She's separated from the entire world. Okay? Um, and she's alone and she's just kind of like alone in her in her tree. Okay, she's sitting by a tree every day. She just sits there waiting and hoping that her husband will forgive her so he can unbanish her. Alright? And we go to the final stanza, all right? Few loving ones I have in this land, few gracious friends, wherefore is my great grief, that him, most fitting of all men for me, false-hearted I have found and treacherous, with a loving smile devising deadly sin, 
often we promised faithfully that love should last with life, that separation not but death alone should bring. How different now. Our friendship is as it had never been. All right? And the last stanza of this, guys, okay, we see a transformation. Good. Because she goes from loving this man to kind of being really mad at him. Good. Okay? Now she's like, I hate him. And you can actually feel the hate seeping into her, no? Um, if you read it again, no? Um, that him most fitting of all men for me, false-hearted I have found and treacherous. She's calling him false. She's calling him treacherous. With a loving smile, devising deadly sin. Okay? And she's like, Kabastas Like, what? He, he banished me. He ruined my life just because he believed what they were saying about me. And it's not good fair. It's unjust. But it's not like she was really cheating on him and she's being punished. It's not good. She was looking for him. Okay? And then I, I, the last few lines of you guys are very threatening. And a lot of people who read this see this as her just being sad. But it's not sad anymore, Nagyud. It's angry. It's angry, Nagyud. Um, the sorrow that we have in the beginning of the poem transforms to something else by the end of it. Okay? Uh, often we promised faithfully that love should last with life. That separation not, but death alone should bring. So she's saying, Amurag, I thought we agreed that we love each other all our lives. And only death can separate us. Like, shouldn't we keep that vow? I feel like there's even a little bit of a threat in there. And she's kind of saying, Oh, so yeah, Amurag, till death do us part, Mangyud. Alright, so there's a little bit of a threat even in there. But the, um, how different now our friendship is as it had never been. She doesn't call him the love of her life anymore. She won't even call him a friend anymore. For him, good enemy na good siya. That's what the opposite of a friend is, no? It's an enemy. So, so many people see this as just a sad girl crying. But if you really read it properly, no? And you really study it, you'll see good nga. No! This is kind of a transformation poem, good. She starts off as a sad girl, but then she transforms by the end of it. Alright? So what are your thoughts on this poem? On this character? Um, you can give me your opinions. No, what do you think of her? Um, you can compare and contrast her to Beowulf. Try to find Kuno. Like, is she more of a Beowulf or is she more of a Grendel or a Grendel's mother? Okay, I want your thoughts on this um, poem, on this character, okay? I'm uh, not really side with the girl. I'm more of concern about the family members. Like, why would they, like, slander her? If, like, did she do anything wrong to them? Like, what did she do to them, to make them slander her? Like, to be, like, um, make their, the, like, the husband be mad at her? Like, why? But she doesn't write a single line about them. She's, why is she specifically talking about the husband, Gidna? Now, if we'll take this as in the husband's perspective, I feel like one of the people that you will trust 100% would be your parents and your family. And I feel like that was why he would believe them. Because, because they're his closest people. It is true though that um, friends and families may be the closest to the husband but however um, we have to also think about the wife because you know the spark they had before as husband and wife shouldn't you at least hear the side of the wife shouldn't you not conclude you should not conclude right away that the wife has been cheating on you and that maybe that your parents were wrong uh, along with your friends and that your wife may have been really looking for you uh, genuinely and genuinely loving you. So I think the reason why she mo she was mostly talking about the husband is because uh, yeah, it's it was the family's fault but it's also, it's mostly the husband's uh, fault for for like, you know, like what Darren said, not, that, like, not listening to what she has to say or like just not even like um, Trusting her in uh, a bit, like she just he just instantly like uh, he just instantly banished her abba. So I think the reason why she was talking that's the reason what's the main reason why she was talking about the husband good because he didn't trust because he, he didn't trust her 
enough and just like you know uh, instantly listen to the to what the family had to say instead of her uh, I have a question uh, why would she be uh, why, why would she find him if she already knows he was already a soldier because uh, she could just have just stayed home and wait for him because he was a soldier on war to start off as to what Darren said, the husband should have made her explain, yeah, listen to the side, and um, he shouldn't also have like believed. I get that um, family is like his life sad, but he shouldn't have like believed instantly to what his family said that nah, she was cheating and stuff like that. And I think I, the reason why the wife was mostly mad about the husband is because will I trust ba? And then they made their vows to love each other forever, but it took him one lie like to make her vanish. Um, to what PM said that he trusted his family more. Um, his wife is basically his family because he married to, he married her and he made his vow to her. And the the wife has the right to get mad at him, not maybe because she felt so betrayed because she was out there looking for him, and the husband didn't even listen to what she said and just listen to the families. Uh, so another thing is that it's another blame on the husband because if you are in a marriage with someone you should know that the, the significant other is the one you're gonna trust the most and if you're gonna assume things you're gonna want to make sure because they know themselves the most on what they did and what they didn't do whether it's wrong or not and it's even worse because their husband and wife and their trust should be really strong. So everyone basically took the words right out of my mouth about the trusting and the husband, um, which is true. I do also think the same as everyone, where like they made their vows till death do us part, blah, 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 blah. But then he abandoned her just like that. and. It's it's uh, the reason why she talked about the husband more than the family, or is because maybe it may it may be uh, the husband is her only family because after she was banished, I didn't really see any uh, I didn't really see her talk about her own family. So maybe the husband was. Uh, her only family and maybe she felt really really betrayed by that because her only family left her just like that so um, yeah and if I were to classify her as a victim a hero or a monster um, I would classify her as a victim and I'm sure the everyone or most people would agree that she is a victim of love a victim of this whole situation but I feel like towards the end she might turn into something else because of her anger and her frustration her betrayal she might turn into a monster because of what her husband did to her so I feel like uh, the husband's family including the husband uh, might have turned her into another being or another it's like another monster basically because of the of what uh, happened and it's supposed to be you know family is love supposed to be and instead of family is love yeah uh, she she turned she turned into like another being and almost into a monster because of that that's the reason I think why she hates him so much you know it's first of all because she loved him she was in love with him and so must it was a more painful betrayal I think and then Pagyud, not only does he believe them, he ruins Pagyud her life. Like in a way, but it's not like he just said, you know what, it won't work out anymore. There's no more trust between us. We'll just go our separate ways. You know, she'll go to another town and she'll have another family or she'll start a new life there. But he doesn't even allow her to do that. But there's absolutely no proof that she did what, what they were accusing her of. No? But he believes them and he really ruins her life um, because of it, no? And as Eliana said, good, I think everyone agrees. Yeah, she's a victim, good. But she does transform by the end of it. And um, th what's interesting is that um, some really see her as turning into a monster, no? 
but I'm throwing it out there lang and um, previous classes have noticed that actually something that can come out of it is she'll take all of this injustice and kind of all of this rage to be a hero for her for her gender um, where, where maybe she can fight for more rights as a woman but because really if you own you can only you, you can view this poem as just being a romance a failed romance but actually it actually points out a failure in society no nga a man without any proof nga she's unfaithful can completely ruin his wife's life good just because he feels betrayed even though but whereas at least if it were a court guys ba like if they were put on court and then like na proven good she did something illegal good and then she got banished that at least there's a system ba? but this i mean it's kind of like a husband can completely banish someone based on zero evidence good it's really a failure of society good okay it's really a failure of society nga, um women are treated in this way and so maybe she's kind of will speak up against that or break that no she'll break her banishment and kind of become a champion or a hero for other wives and for other women no? i i don't know if anyone saw it in that way but you can also really see it yeah, she'll turn into a monster and she's going to kill her husband okay because it's like till death do us part okay all right there is a little bit of a threatening um there is a little bit of a threatening tone do that good all right so um so again i think as to whether she's a hero a victim or uh or a monster no again um it's very hard to categorize human beings good i think she is a victim and i think she is in a crossroads whether she'll take that injustice and that rage and whether she'll be do something heroic with it or do something monstrous with it show of hands who thinks she's gonna be a monster good can you raise your hand if you feel like she's gonna be because her three for sure good she won't just remain a victim good it's very clear in the poem when she's going to take a road no so yeah so raise your hand if you think like she's gonna be monster good what what what, what other option do you want okay so yeah we'll pass the mic to to zeke and to anya to give other third option okay so this is what i think i think at first she will become a monster and then like she'll start to realize that it's not gonna help her out so maybe she will um like do something about uh like what's what happened to her and her husband and stuff so you know she might take it to court and be like uh this is very bad this is not very good and then like she might become the hero next like she's a victim and a monster and a hero and she'll go through all three yes i feel like in my opinion she was she's going to be a hero to women and a monster to men she kind of reminds me. She kind of reminds me of Medusa. Okay, Medusa was kind of like, she was hurt by men, which made her hate men, and she she like she really hated men at that moment. So she kind of reminds me like she's more of both. I agree to Zeke about like doing the forms because it it would be really interesting for her character to do so. That's why I really want her to be to be the hero at the end of the day. All right. So um, we're we're close. No, it's the last five minutes of the class now. Um, any final thoughts? Okay, any final thoughts about Beowulf or Banished Wives Lament? I think we need kind of a conclusion, good no? Um, and kind of because I feel like I like the points we made about like um about humanity. I think we're successful in that. Now I just want something to really end the podcast episode to end our listeners. Maybe final words. I want to add up to what Yana said, uh, Yanina, and also to our theory on how she could turn into a villain or a hero um, because things like this can really change a person and there are other things in the world that she can find that can really change the things she sees. Like maybe over time she'll rethink about what happened between her and her husband. Maybe it's just like this big misunderstanding, which it is. In conclusion, I think Beowulf is a hero in some other in some eyes, but can also be a monster in in other eyes. Just cause uh, people think he he boasts. I mean, it's kind of true. He he did kind of boast a bit, and uh, some people also might think he is a hero, which is also true for me because uh, he did 
really helped the civilians and his followers and he protected them as well so that's what I think about Beowulf and for uh, the girl in the other story I think she no can be nameless, guys. I, I find it interesting um, that she doesn't have a name um, because like Beowulf has a name Wiglaf has a name I find it interesting that she's called a banished wife's lament she's, she's called the banished wife she doesn't even have a name uh, so I think just for me lang, she'll be she she experienced all three she will experience all three um, one of my insights that I found from this story is that even if we have um, true uh, friends that are with us every every day every year and um, the amount of time that we spend towards them um, in our darkest times that they could like turn on us like this wife that everyone abandoned her and she didn't have any friends and um, when she tried to ask for help no one tried to believe her I think that quote from the movie The Dark Knight kind of sums up both relates both Beowulf and the banished wife's lament either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself possibly become a villain Beowulf lived long lived died a hero he he fought for his people and even though he had his shortcomings he made sure that everybody in his land was safe the banished wife however was really just scorned by everybody and endured so much bad luck like miss like Harvey Dent did and she could really have just and she's really on a, on a road which may take her to villainy or heroism and I believe it's it's a sad and comfy truth in real life that a lot of people, when when they when they experience times of adversity, they really choose to become the villain. Only a handful makes meaning out of it and chooses to become a hero. I found the perfect conclusion again. I think as Dylan was talking, it just sparked. Um, I noticed that with both characters, no. Um, loneliness was a major theme that came out during the discussion. No? Like you specifically talked about how alone Beowulf was, um, and also the ban the banished wife. In that, um, that's kind of what drove her to be so angry, you no? Know, because she was alone and because she was excluded from society. Good. So I think hero, villain, victim, um, loneliness is really a part of human existence. Good, um, and it's something that you need to overcome and i'm so happy because just in theme with this being the first face-to-face -face recording i think all of us during the pandemic felt some form of loneliness good because we couldn't see each other goodbye and it's so nice that we're in a way by god's grace we overcame it and we're with each other again i also really believe that let kept us together said good what was one of the things that kept us together during the pandemic because um we had discussions pa even during the pandemic we were still reading the same stories good but i'm so happy that we're kind of out of that and everyone's present today um so murag loneliness isn't as much a part of our lives as it used to be to all of our listeners as well, um, hopefully this podcast episode helped you battle um, loneliness a little bit also. So thank you so much. That is it for this episode of Lit is Lit. Grade 9, can you say goodbye to our podcast? Okay, and it's kind of like Beowulf, the banished wife, and Batman because of Lance's conclusion. Goodbye! Goodbye!